everyone, and welcome to the Rise with the Light podcast. My name is Susan Fink, and this is my weekly podcast dedicated to supporting families raising children with special needs. I'm on a mission to provide hope and positivity through sharing my personal insights, stories, mindset perspectives, and ways to navigate through this journey. Let's get started. and support. You have no idea what that means to me, and I really appreciate it so much. Okay, let's get into this. If you listen to the intro, you'll have heard that I want to keep these episodes short and specific. So we're all really busy, and I want you to hear something that may be meaningful to you, helpful, and with no fluff. So here it goes. Today's topic may be pretty emotional for me. Actually, thinking about it and writing it has taken me back to when my son was officially diagnosed. I'm using air quotes, officially diagnosed. And I actually ended up ugly crying while writing this. And I may have some tears as I record this as well. So I say officially with those air quotes because I pretty much knew something was going on, but I just didn't want to believe it. Maybe you actually relate to this. So for me, my son was diagnosed with autism. And for you, it might be something else, but either way, it's a diagnosis. And receiving that official diagnosis is something that we have had to face and to digest. And I'll tell you about my experience because maybe you can relate to this or find parts of it that are meaningful to you and that would be helpful for you. So being a single parent since I was pregnant, My son is my world. He is everything and he is my why. He's my why for everything that I do. And as a single parent, I have also felt so much pressure and responsibility. I would do anything for him. I have done everything for him. Seeing him as a baby, you know, he was just so precious and he still is so precious. And as a mother, a nurturer, I just didn't want anything to hurt him. I would protect him. I am his mother. And as he was getting older, I could tell things were different, and I could see that he was responding differently than other children his age, especially when I would see him at daycare. So I don't have any other children, so I just didn't have anything to really compare this to and what to expect at different ages. I was new to this whole parenting thing, and as you know, we don't get a manual when we have a child. So I was kind of just taking things as they were. And I was thinking that he would do whatever he wanted to do when he was ready and at whatever milestone he would do it. And things would just, you know, happen naturally. But as he was edging near three years old, his caretakers and teachers at daycare and the educational center he was at wanted to have a conversation with me about things that they were seeing and considerations I may want to take. And they were just so delicate about this situation. And in hindsight, I just appreciate it so much. They were so sensitive and helpful. Um, And I really couldn't have asked for better partners, as I would call them, at daycare. They mentioned to me that he seemed to have some speech delays. They would also tell me that he had some physical outbursts and he would throw his body on the ground. He was flapping his hands, which I know now to be known as stimming. And you know, I saw these things too. I saw these things happening 
when we were together. I saw the speech delay. I saw that he was physically thrashing his body and he was stimming. I just didn't really know what was going on. And, and I was really confused too, because he was thriving in all these other areas and there were these areas that he was struggling in. And as I mentioned, I thought that he would just achieve these things over his own time, but that really wasn't the case. And they recommended that I get him tested. So I did that. I went to the pediatrician, I went to the Harbor Regional Center, which is run through the California Department of Developmental Services, and he had a variety of tests that spanned over days and weeks, and just waiting to get the results back were just really challenging for me. Um, and the results ended up being that he was on the spectrum. He has autism, and I couldn't protect him against this. So this is where the tears come in. Um, you know, it doesn't get any easier even after years of working through all of these things. Um, and, you know, it's okay. So even though in my heart I knew something wasn't right, this just made it official. And even going through emotions right now as I'm talking about this, and at the time I was just devastated. I felt helpless. I had so many emotions that ran through me uh, that just spanned through, you know, sadness, anger, guilt, confusion, fear, doubt, just you name it. I mean, it was just all over the place. And while I would do anything for my son and I would support him in anything he would ever need or anything he would ever do with or without autism, I knew I had to put my emotions aside and figure out what I needed to do for him. He needed to come first at this point before my own challenges with his diagnosis. My feelings needed to be put aside. So I needed to take some steps. I needed to figure out how to support him and what he needed. And so that's what I did. I went into action mode. I still needed to deal with the emotions, which I'll get to in other episodes, but time was of the essence and he needed early intervention. Early intervention was going to help him the most. I couldn't sit on this. I couldn't wait for my feelings to pass. I had to get right to it and start taking action. So this brings me to the end of my very short story. And the question I have for you is, can you relate to this? Did you have all of these emotions too? Were you devastated? Did you feel guilt? Did you realize that those feelings didn't matter at the moment in this time that you needed to put those things away and to figure out what this plan is and what the next steps are for your child. So what can you do after you have a diagnosis? The first thing is not to get stuck in your emotions. I know this is so hard as a parent. It is really difficult to hear that your child has autism or your child has another special need situation that you were not expecting. It's really difficult, but you have to put those aside. And I'm not saying to ignore your emotions, but almost compartmentalize them and handle them separately. So sitting in guilt, sitting in anger, sitting in sadness, it's not going to help your child. Your child needs you more at this point than ever. And this is how I felt. My son needed me at this point in his life more than ever to start taking action, to do something right away for him to figure out what he needs and get to get that set up. And even just taking one step at a time 
that would gain the momentum. Just one step in front of the other would gain the momentum. And again, compartmentalizing, putting away my feelings and not ignoring them because you do need to handle and deal with your emotions, but reprioritizing your feelings and putting a plan into place for your child. So here are some things that I did. I had to figure out navigate and took me a really long time to try to figure everything out, especially in the state of California. Your state may be different. The resources that you have available to you. It took me a while to figure things out. And again, just like having a child, you don't have a manual. So with autism, there is no manual. There there is no right way or wrong way to go about anything. And with autism, it's a huge spectrum. There isn't just one way of going about it, but this is what I did. So I took the diagnosis and all of the information that they provided. And it is clear that there are areas that he needed help in. And for my son, it was speech and language development, occupational therapy, and behavioral therapy. And once I knew the areas that he needed help in, I could work on finding solutions for him. So I mentioned earlier Harbor Regional Center. So Harbor Regional Center is a regional center in the state of California. They work under the Department of Developmental Services. If you're in a different state, you can find local agencies as well that could be able to provide services for you. Not only the diagnosis, but also different services that are available to families with children with special needs and developmental disabilities. You can find out more information about your local state agencies at nasddds.org. I also got my son into a local school that offered aid and therapy he needed. And going to that school, he had to go about additional tests for them to also diagnose him. So it's funny how these diagnoses just don't pass from the doctor, from the regional center, and on to the school. They all have to do their own analysis, which is one of the most frustrating things, but it is kind of what it is and something you can't control. So there's no point in getting upset about it. You just go through the process of it in order to figure out what the support is for your child. So I also found a local behavioral therapy clinic for ABA therapy, Applied Behavior Analysis Therapy. And this would be services that he would receive to help him with his behaviors that he was experiencing. So your child may or may not need ABA therapy, but there are other therapies your child might need. And researching the crap out of them and figuring out what is available in your area was something that I did. And there may also be wait lists for these services. So make sure that you get onto those wait lists, you look for other alternatives in your area. So don't just settle for one, figure out what other options there are and get your child on the wait list or advocate as much as you can to push your child through to the top of the wait list. The other thing is insurance. I didn't know that insurance would cover ABA therapy. And I also was able to get additional Medi-Cal insurance that would cover the entire cost of behavioral therapy. And this took weeks and weeks and weeks of approval and documentation, but I pushed, I vocalized my concerns of how long things were taking. I made noise, of course, in a nice way, but I had to be that squeaky wheel to make things happen. And I spent hours and hours on the phone. I completed tons of documentation and paperwork in order for my son to get the services and for insurance to cover that. So make sure you look into your insurance to see what they will cover for your child's therapy. I also did my own research. I studied, I figured out what I could do to help him. I looked at all of the different services he was getting. I looked at all of the resources that were available. I was creating my own plan as well to supplement what he was getting. And on top of that, I was also receiving parent training. In ABA therapy, they often provide parent training during the process of 
you know, figuring out what the programs are and then supplementing those programs at home outside of therapy. So I received that parent training. I took it seriously. I took notes. I asked questions. I implemented the strategies and I incorporated them into our daily lives so that I could supplement and reinforce what he was learning in therapy. And you may have access to this. And if you don't have access to parent training, ask for it say something, get the resources that you can do to implement these strategies to help your child. And don't be afraid to ask the question. Don't be afraid to ask for resources. As a matter of fact, I work with the school and the therapist versus working against them. So from my perspective, this is a partnership. We are all a team together, not me versus them, but we work together as a team. And I ask questions, I debate, I request additional resources, and I ask for what I can do for my child to supplement what they're doing. And this has really worked well for us because he only gets a certain amount of therapy in school and a certain amount of therapy in behavioral therapy, but I'm with him all the time. So I can work on things with him that supplement his learning and that just helps him to grow and to develop and to generalize his behaviors and his learning. So don't be afraid to ask questions. I've also debated with therapists at school and asked, hey, is this autism or is this age related? My son is really little. As you know, he was diagnosed at three. And for me, I wanted to decipher, was this him being a three-year-old or a four-year-old, five-year-old, whatever age that is, or is this an autism behavior and a challenge? So I would ask those questions and I wasn't afraid to debate and to discuss uh, what the result is and what I can do then to help him. I also took the time, you know, this kind of gets into looking now inward. I took the time. I made time. I gave up things that I wanted to do so that I could support him, so that I could learn. I needed to prioritize his needs over mine. And I'm not saying to completely ignore what you want or what your desires are, but I had to give it up for a while. Not forever, but I had to pause everything else in my life so that I could figure this out. And this did backfire on me a little bit, which I'll talk about in another episode and specifically discussing self-care and, and self-love and some challenges that I've just been dealing with, which you may be dealing with too. And I'll talk about those in a different episode, but you know, it is still worth it for me to have focused that time and to make sure I could get things on track for my son. And again, this is not forever. This is for a period of time so that you can figure out what you need to do to make sure your child is set up for success. And the other thing is get help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to reach out to others. You know, there's so many communities of other parents who are going through similar things and don't be afraid to join them and to have dialogue and connect with other people. And I found groups on Facebook. I made friends and connected with other parents who were in the same therapy as my son at school. You know, get involved, talk, share, work things out together and know that you are not alone through any of this. And don't isolate yourself with this. There are so many other people that are dealing with these challenges and, and finding your child being diagnosed. Reach out because you can actually learn from other people and you can get help from other people too. The other thing is be patient. This is really hard for me. I am not a patient person, especially when it comes to my child and anything that he needs. So it took weeks and months to figure all of this out. And, and I'm talking like, hey, do this, do that. It's super easy. Go check, check the box and go research this and it's all done. No, that is not the case. And I don't want to paint that picture. 
it really has taken months to figure it out. I think it took about six months to and stacks and stacks of paperwork to get everything kind of working all together at school, at home therapy, my own therapy that I was doing with my son, the parent training, everything. It just in order for it to start working like a well-oiled machine, it took time to do that. And patience becomes very important. And the other side of that is to not give up hope that solutions are coming. They will come. It is a process. And trust me, it sucks going through that process. And you can try to do all you can to speed it up, but in some cases, it just won't be able to go faster. Like things with like working with the government or working with insurance. I mean, those things just will take time. So realize the things you can and can't control and focus on what you can control. And don't give up hope and be patient. The last two things I will mention here is that I cried every night. Um, crying right now. <laughs> you know, as much as I was being so pragmatic and practical about what I needed to do to get help for my son, I tried to never let him see me cry so that he didn't see the frustration, the frustration beyond belief with all of the paperwork and tests that he had to go through, all of the meetings where I had to talk about his challenges over and over again, where I just wanted to break down. But I did hold it in. I did hold it together so that I could compartmentalize those feelings. But I had to let it out at some point. I cried. I screamed in my pillow. I took up a kickboxing class so that I could punch something to get my frustrations out. I, you know, I had to let it out. And that's what I mean. Don't Ignore those feelings, compartmentalize them, and find the time to address them. And like I said, I cried every night, and I still cry. It gets easier, but it also is still hard at the same time. And that's okay. That's a normal, natural human response. And so that's something that I had to do when he was diagnosed and throughout this whole process of getting him support and help. And the last thing was, most importantly... I embraced all of the amazing moments that he has had. I have celebrated all his big and his small wins. I have laughed with him. We have gone on adventures together. I talk to him all the time, even though he wasn't talking back to me because of his speech and language delays. He may not even have understood anything that I said, but I still talked to him and wanted him to know that I was there for him no matter what. I helped him. I would go to everything with him. I would make sure that he knew mommy was his biggest cheerleader and mommy was his biggest advocate and that I would do anything for him to make sure that he, sorry, I'm crying again, (laughs) that he was set up and had the things that he needed so that he could thrive and that he could continue to develop in the best way possible with the most love and care possible. And no matter what, I was there for him. So the main thing in all of this is that I knew my son needed me more than ever. There was no time for this, why this, why me, why him mentality. All of this didn't matter at this moment. It only would get me stuck and I needed to move forward. And all that mattered was how I would help my son and how I would be a part of his journey to help him in the best way that I could. I also needed to figure out how I could be his voice, his advocate. Having a child with special needs and having a child that has a language and speech delay, you know, 
any child, they, they can't necessarily always speak up for themselves. And we have to be their voice and advocate for them. Be the squeaky wheel. I was told very early on, don't be afraid to be the squeaky wheel, meaning say something. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask for help, ask for resources, connect with others. Don't be afraid to do that. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I hear the word squeaky wheel. It kind of sounds like a negative connotation, but it can be a very nice squeaky wheel. You can be a squeaky wheel and still be nice about it. There is a, is a way to go about that, to build relationships, to build partnerships with people, to build your team of people around you. And don't be afraid to do that. And all of these tears back then and right now, you know, it is totally worth it. All of this work is worth it. And, you know, I'm just so happy that I'm able to share this story and to talk about it. And I'm just so grateful that I can talk to you about this. And I hope that this resonates with you. If you feel like this has helped you or that this is meaningful to you and you're connected in some way to what I've said, tell me about it. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. DM me. Send me a message. Let me know that this was helpful for you. Let me know that you found some meaning here. And let me know how you've handled your own child's diagnosis. What did you do? that maybe I didn't mention that was able to help you get through it and to help you provide support for your child. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for bearing with me on those tears earlier. And I so appreciate you listening to this podcast. And thank you so much for your support and sharing this podcast to help others. My mission is to help as many people as I can, and I cannot do that without you. And until next time, I appreciate, I empathize, and I am here for you. And we can do this.